Good morning. I want to thank you for your generosity, especially to our matching donors. This is the last day of our annual fundraiser, and we have met our goal. Thank you very much to all of those of you who have donated to support this mandala of basic sanity and as a place to train the mind. So thank you so much. don't know how to express that, but it strengthens our sangha, our community. And uh, if you haven't been here yet, please come and visit us. So this uh, title of this morning's Dharma talk is no being angry. This is the, I think it's the ninth uh, prohibitory precepts, precept in the Soto Zen lineage going back to Dogen Zenchi in the 13th century. Lots of precepts. We have 16 of them. So, first of all, let's level with you. I don't really need to even say this, but you know you can't just stop being angry. It's impossible to do that. Can't just stop. At least I can't. So what does that mean? That's why this is written out this way, and I'll read this precept as it was written quite eloquently by someone. But it brings you uh, to understand more clearly what this is about and how how difficult it can be. No being angry beyond our limited conceptual realm. Contemplate that. Beyond our limited conceptual realm. Right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. Shouldn't, shouldn't. Could be, can't be, won't be. The realm of how we think things and situations ought to be. Think about that. How many times do you do that? How things ought to be. That shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't be treated like that. I shouldn't be treating someone that way, but I can't help it. You, you do not have free will in the conventional sense. You might There might be a little bit of freedom, but the freedom here, as it is spoken of, is uh, you are free to even listen to these teachings, you lucky dogs. You know how lucky you are? The realm of how we think things and situations ought to be the, the, the boundless Dharma world. Realm of truth is endlessly extending. Giving up our expectations on each moment and bowing to the richness of how things really are. There's no being angry. That means that the thing that is really upsetting you is still there. And it has a right to be there. Has a right to be there. Anything that occurs has a right to be there. Who are you or who am I or anyone to object to any damn thing? Objecting, if something happens in the form of someone's voice, someone's statement, or some situation that comes to you less and less personified by a person, just the situation, it has a right to be there. And uh, another way of talking about ego, ego just is a little childish, uh, uh, shrunken form, a shrunken aspect of consciousness that wants its own way. 
You're not going to get your own way. Why? There isn't any your own. There isn't any you. You don't own anything. But you're responsible for everything. Find out. Don't take my word for it, but you, I don't expect you to. If you're at a meeting like this, not taking anybody's word for anything. Good for you. No being angry. The very thing that got me on this path is anger. Rage. Flying right out of my fist. Not into a person, but into a wall. Hopefully between the uh, between the studs. Because if you hit a wall where you're hitting the stud, not good. That's not good. Say no more. But if you hit between it, and it's just... What do they call that stuff? When you're hitting them, plaster and laugh. <laughs> okay. Plaster and laugh. Yeah, that's. Oh. <laughs> uh... I did not intend to be your straight man. <laughs> Yes, plaster and lath is what they built walls for in the, late, in the earlier century. Yeah, so, uh, no, I never had a plaster and lath wall. I had a the uh, one that had wallboard. Is that wallboard? Yeah, that's made of plaster, but there's no lath in there, so it goes right through. Well, you've had them before, haven't you? You have too. So you get angry too? Yeah. Oh, oh, good. We're in good company. So what we do when we get angry, <clears throat> conventionally, we just want to get rid of that. And if we can find a person or a wall or something, anything to um, throw that incredible rage or anger out at, it creates more circles, of course, samsara, and it does re reduce that in consciousness somewhat. We won't get rid of it, but it gives us a little bit of a outflow that might release some of the tension. It might be good to look and see what that is fundamentally rather than constantly be at the mercy of that kind of rage. Plaster and laugh, that would make a good Dharma talk title. <laughs> so let me say, this is something I've been over several times, especially in the last few months is I'm going to try to, to do this to kind of demonstrate, maybe pictorially, I use my hands. Okay, something occurs out here. We're in our life. We're in day 5,629, whatever, of our life. And something happens over here that we look at and causes a reaction here of anger. So that's just dependent arisen. That's dependent origination. That's paratantra, if you want the fancy word for it. It's dependent arisen. There's no personhood there. There really isn't any personhood in anything, in any, anyone anywhere or anything anywhere. That's the, illu the illusory part of it. But that arises, and instead of just ideally, you could say, instead of just feeling, noticing, witnessing, 
listening to, smelling, tasting, touching, thinking, that situation as it is, just arising as it is, as it is. Did I say that? As it is. Soku. That's the first part of our Soku Koji. As it is, immediate, right now, this. No, no addition. It just arises as it is. It is not separate from anything. It's only separated because you have eyes. It's only separated because you have ears. It's only separated because you have receptors everywhere, nerve endings, including the mind. The idea is to just receive that. And what the ego, if you've not seen through this yet, will do, it will see that which needs to be just received as life coming at you. It will see, it will personify it. It'll turn it into some personal thing about you. And so then you get to add on your personhood to it. I'm feeling that. No, you're not. There isn't anybody. I'm only yelling a little bit because I'm, I want you to really consider that there is no solid being. The emotion is real in the sense that it hurts. You have nerve endings. Uh, it sucks, and you want to get rid of it. Desire. You want something else. Second noble truth. So when you're sit, doing practicing sitting meditation, when you're practicing um, your awareness, whatever is happening in between sessions of meditation, you might want to look at that closely without adding, 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 subtracting, dividing, don't do anything with it. Just receive it as it is. It's just that. It's just that. And if you do add on to it, if you know, if you can actually see the, that, that very subtle, uh, uh, um, paper thin area where that changes in from, from dependent origination into parikalpada or the imaginary nature where you've taken, you function in the same way that that does, only you, you personalize it. You make it into my feeling. It's not your feeling. If you go even further than that, further than that, it is not, not even not, not your feeling, but that's later. First, let's start with the first part of it. Let's keep it simple. Let's stay in third grade. Find that out first before you jump into graduate school and start working with fancy concepts about the nature of reality. You can do that too, but make sure you're doing a lot of wall gazing. This is a very, very narrow area that you can look at. You can see that where, where, where you, where we tip over out of the, to use the, the relative word is objective, a very objective part of receiving, receiving, receiving what this world is, what this situation is, what your mind stream is, and personalizing, personalizing it into my feeling, my something I've got to get rid of or I've got to stop. This is where the anger comes out. And it's not about stopping that. It's about being aware of it. Awareness, awareness, awareness. If you're aware of what happens, it will stop because it will just be obvious that it's, it's untrue. Just, it'll be so obvious that you, you might even, not even have in the second thought of 
uh, I'm going to invent one here. Why would I do that? It's, it's not even, it wouldn't even come up to the question part of it. We just, you just wouldn't do that anymore. And you might not even particularly notice it. Other people might notice that you're no longer acting in an insane fashion. Yesterday, you pointed me back to the otherness that shows up in my mind. And what shows up when you point there is like a frustration or a helplessness of like, how is this even helpful? Because there's nothing that I can do about it. Is that what I need to look at? Yeah, you don't have to do anything about it. But thinking that there's nothing I can do about it, that's ego. You have to be genuine. You have to be a fool. You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge you are helpless. That has to be acknowledged first before you can actually see what you actually can do. Go ahead. Jeez, I'm going, what can I actually do? Be aware. When you feel helpless, it's because you feel separated from everything and you think everything is other. That's just another level of otherness. But you might have to collapse into that to see beyond it. You might have to go, not fight with that anymore in order to see that it's much more open and expansive than that. Fancy word is maha vipassana. Maha, great vipassana, panoramic awareness. In order to have that kind of, the kind of closed down area, uh, you have to ignore everything. In order to help, so that energy of consciousness goes into that, that ball, that, that crowded area. Is there anything for me to practically do other than keep going and practice? The instruction I give you uh, when uh, on occasion, quite frequently actually, is whatever arises in your mind stream, no matter what it is, receive it. Don't add to it. Don't interpret it. No guesswork. No speculation. Whether it comes from thoughts in your own mind uh, that are coming up or whether it co uh, comes from someone across the table from you or in the room. More? Jeez, I'm going, is that a practice off the cushion that I should be relating to? Just receive, yeah, uh, off the cushion. But it's not something that is, that it's, since your body is in chicken tazi, your body is holding very still and you can see more clearly what arises in the mind stream. Just receive that. And when you're up moving around, doing things uh, with your job or with your in a relationship with others, uh, whatever they say or do, or whatever anyone says or does, whatever shows up, don't add to it. Don't figure it out. Just receive it. Receive, receive, receive is so important. More questions about that? We have them. Choose on mine. So is, is the emphasis really about Receiving the way that I can't do that and just seeing the ways that I continually add on. That, that might be what shows up for a while, yes. Receiving how you can't. Whatever is there, receive it. If, it's, if what is showing up in the mind stream is, I can't do this, or this is not working, or I'm having no success at this, or whatever, maybe just receive that. Without anything else, anything other than receive, just receive that, and that's it. That doesn't mean you snip it off or cut it off just receive that and you'll notice if you just if you thoroughly receive that nothing much else will occur other than the follow-up that uh i can't even receive that and then just receive that one
It's that simple and that difficult. It is difficult to do this. It seems like there's a fairly consistent monologue in my head of how I'm receiving and how somebody's triggering something and they're the one that's wrong. So is there, is there no effort to stop that? Just receive it. Just receive it. And actually, I, I don't really, I don't care if they're wrong, if they're uh, wrong or not. That's not your job. Your job is to receive everything, not to add on that they're wrong. But if you do that, then just receive that. They, they, there's no way they relatively they may be wrong, but but from the point of view of your practice, uh, everything is your fault until you until you have some basic clarity about this. That's going to be difficult. Go ahead. What does receiving look like functioning with others when that monologue is shown? Don't say anything. No outflows. No no scowling face. No. No hang dog look. There's very subtle ways that we communicate to others how we feel. We might not say anything, but we we'll, we do it with our expression, hanging our head or turning away or tone of voice. Don't do any of that. But if you do do that, then receive that and receive it as it is. If that's what you're doing. More. What about in an interview when somebody's trying to get at? the way something looks to me or how I'm feeling. Listen to them. The, uh, somebody's saying to you and telling you how you're feeling and criticizing you, listen to them. Everything, if you're, if you're a student 24-7, and you should be, you're a monk, you should be receiving everything as a teaching. All of you should. I couldn't do this if I didn't, if I didn't receive everything as a teaching. Twenty minutes ago, or whenever it was, maybe half an hour ago, I couldn't. I didn't have the energy to do this. Where do you think that energy comes from? I don't just sit here and say, "Oh, I think I will just be energetic and give the talk." I couldn't hardly stand up here when I'm giving the, or trying to show gratitude, but I do it anyway. It's kind of transcendental stubbornness. Just do it. I haven't gotten rid of a damn neurotic emotion or thought in my mind. Nothing has gone anywhere since I was a child. I still have all of them. <clears throat> I improved for many years until I met Coben. I stopped improving when I met him. Or not long thereafter. When I say not long, a few years. What if somebody's asking how I'm feeling or is trying to get me to take a position on something? <clears throat> well, of course, it would be situational, but you could say, because I'm doing okay. And if they, if they go further and say, well, not so good. But you could start out by saying, I'm doing all right. You could lie a little bit. It's about being aware of a lying. It's not about not lying. You can't stop. You can't help but lie. If you think otherwise, you should come and talk to me about it. You can get an appointment. You can't stop. You can't help but say things that are untrue all day long about being aware of those. Go ahead. 
Yeah, the question. A couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Was it design? With it sounded earlier you said um, you just see how how absurd it is or something to that effect. And that feels like I could see how that can happen with a subjective an emotion that's highly subject subjective where you just kind of see in how the story is you know, not true. What's the misunderstanding beside behind like a more primal objection where there's no story, like hitting the wall. Um, so this is what Shikantaz uh, is about. It's training your mind to receive, sit down, hold still, receive what happens in the mind stream, whatever it is. Training yourself to receive that. If it's large, if it's small, if it's smelly, if it's fragrant, if it's whatever it is, just receive, 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 receive. So then when you get up off the cushion and you're in, a, in your everyday situations and you're more apt to receive what happens rather than rather than add on to it. Did I get close to what you were asking about or is there something else? When you were hitting Laban Foster, um, did you have, was there a story behind that? Um, well, it's been a while. Probably with some kind of story, just some kind of rage against somebody or against my own mind or my own inability to uh, just deal with whatever was happening. Just get enraged. I don't remember the stories, but there probably probably were stories at the time. I also used to be driving along and just jam on the brakes of the car so that everybody in the car fell forward. My children. Takodo, do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. He was only eight or nine at the time. This intense rage, it just came out of uh, fighting with his mother. That rage, that, that energy of that is not really left, it's still here. Doesn't show up very often, maybe once in a while. Rarely. What? And you just see that the energy itself isn't real? It's more like the energy doesn't belong to anybody. It's like it's it's more like it's even though it's in my mind stream and, and I'm feeling it, I'm the one who's feeling it, I'm the one who's feeling a bee sting, or or I'm the one who's feeling the uh, the handle, uh, the, the railing as I go up the steps or something. I'm the one who's feeling that. Um, it's more like I. It's not my. It's not my emotion. It's, it's emotion, but it's not. It doesn't belong to me personally. So it's it's been kind of depersonalized. Mm -hmm. Shadow bowing. <clears throat> um, when we're endeavoring to receive everything as a teaching, um, I'm thinking in particular around difficult family or family situations for me. Um, 
might it still be appropriate to just leave that situation? Um, yeah. That's uh, for the four karmas are uh, pacifying, magnetizing, enriching, and destroying. So the last one is destroying, and which is not destroying something, but it could be breaking the connection or destroying the connection. Just get out of there. If it's if, if nothing's going to seem to work, but if, if everything seems like it's going to just escalate the whole thing, then just leave. It's not. It's not cowardice. Shadow bowing is is just received different than doing nothing. Bowing. They're cousins, because if you're doing nothing, the concept of doing nothing may show up differently for different people. Someone might say, "Well, I was just doing nothing." We weren't. You were scowling at the person. I'm doing nothing. It didn't bother him with that. More. I'm just wondering, can just receive become a, a position that is unintelligent? Um, what do you mean by intelligence? I think the way I was using it would be to use just receive as a protocol. I'm, I'm wondering if that can be where we're not actually looking at the situation somehow. Okay. Yeah, yes, it could get very tricky in there where we're kind of fooling ourselves into thinking we're accomplishing something we're not. Oh, kind of overthinking the whole thing. So less is better. And so far as you can, just whatever's happening, just receive it as much as you can. And some of what you're receiving will be the laminations you lay on top of it, telling you, explaining to you what you're just receiving. Very complicated. This is why wall gazing is just such a simple, it's almost kind of a stupid thing to do, sit there and look at a wall. But it seems to be, seems to be helpful overall, over long term, long term, not three years, long term. Jindo. Jindo Bowen. Um, earlier you said everything we say is a lie. Yes. Is it possible uh, to be genuine if that's the case? Yes, you can be a genuine liar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, um, it sounds a little silly, but you can just just be, be stop objecting to everything that's happening in your mind stream and observe it. Watch what's happening in your mind stream. A little bit on the scientific objective idea. It's kind of a curious thing that we can have a personality that has opinions and ideas and beliefs and judgments and see that all that is just uh, all invented. It's an invention that protects an imaginary self. And we go from lifetime to lifetime doing this. Do we go to other, other lifetimes? I don't know. Looks like something in that area is happening, but I, I'm not sure what it is for sure. But I've been here before many times. Do I know that as a fact? I don't know it as a fact, but I know it. So how do I know that? It's not a bragging point. It's not every anyone has access to that in your own mind stream. Well, is you're bombarded with being aware that you're not being genuine, 
uh, does that ease up as you become more aware? It seems like the awareness itself is beating you up as you see it happen. Is doing what? Beating you up as you see it happen. Just yeah, very good. So that means you're observing it. Just just observe, just observe, just observe. And what will, what will occur, and there's no promise and no guarantee, but what will occur, eventually you will not be concerned because there's, you see that that's unreal. You see it's just a stage play. And you see that's unreal. You won't care how you, I, the extreme way that I say it is you don't care how you feel. But of course you care, but it doesn't feel good. But there's no, there's no, you don't care to the extreme that you're going to make life hard on anybody around you or or take it to, you know, try to get somebody else to admit they were mistreated you or something, or even think that they've mistreated you, because you see the you see the what's the what's the word that the expressions commonly use is big picture. You see that there are no separate beings. You see that you're not even a separate being. It's just consciousness only. It's a it's a profound and vast understanding of something that seems so confused and convoluted and and torturous to everyone. So you can receive that. And, and I would say, let's speculate a little bit on it based on what I'm looking at. Um, you're not concerned about improving or getting better because there isn't anyone left. You see, there isn't anyone. Am I making a claim that I'm somehow egoless or have no separate self? Nope. Not doing that. Make, I make no claims at all. Junji Valley, can we just receive if we see that we're taking something personally? Well, if you see that you're doing that, then you're, you're, you're working with it in some way that's more than just um, more than just shoving it aside or coming to conclusions about somebody else is causing you problems. I think there's, a, there's an area in there where you're you're probably working with it if you're if you can ask, ask that ask that question and you're also training your mind you're going to the walls you're spending time studying the the, con the conceptual aspect of the dharma you're studying the the intuitive aspect of the dharma which is when you're looking at the wall it it feels like there's a bit of shutting down when when i'm taking something personally that's awareness. Just watch the shutting down. Don't open back up. Don't try to be open. It's just a, it's, it's such a simple misunderstanding, trying, trying to be more open. Just be aware of the shutting down. That is openness. The other kind of openness is where you, when you say to somebody, well, I'm just trying to be open very unlikely that's what's happening. You're trying to convince somebody that you're open so that you can get the upper hand and you can be right. You like being right? Is trying to just receive different than trying to be open? They're similar, but the receive part is, uh, is there is there some kind of an open, is some kind of a general, I'm just open. It lends itself too much to some kind of idealism, whereas 
trying to receive is more specific. Whatever is arising, receive it, receive it. So it's more maybe more situational rather than trying to you're trying to accomplish a state of mind and being open. You're not necessarily trying to accomplish a state of mind of just receiving. You're doing the receiving situationally is how I would think of it. I don't know. How does that sound? Sometimes it feels like if I'm starting to notice myself shut down, there's some tension there of wanting to to still receive. Yeah. Um, so it feels like there's some straining going on. How do I work with that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very subjective area. So my first initial feeling about it is you're doing fine. Just keep doing it. You have to do a lot of it. I don't see anything to correct or adjust or do. You know, Bonnie, as I am bombarded with how I can never be uh, the contrast of all these lies and uh, seeing the contrast between the relative world that I'm living in and I'm in meetings and stuff and nobody's, you know, I'm seeing the contrast of how I'm not genuine, how everything, I'm bombarded with all this stuff all the time and it's hard just, just becoming more aware or making more insane or does it yeah, it does. It makes you more aware of your insanity. I mean, everyone here is insane, including yours truly. So we're all, we all have insanity. And when I say insanity, it's uh, the, the way I define that or describe it is going to war with things that are that are not a problem. Going to war with an, an imagined other, an imagined paranoia. So. Just continue, continue to return to the wall. Do as much sitting meditation as you can. What you're doing is you're taking the whole apparatus that is crazy or telling lies or however you want to being uh, deceptive or self-deception going on. You're holding that all still. Forget about Buddhism for a while, but just just look at think of it without Buddhism, without anything, without any teaching. If you were just sit, if you were to just sit down and just watch over time, the mind as it arises without stopping it, aggression, without fluffing it up or explaining it or describing it or blaming anyone, passion, without distracting yourself or going into some other thought pattern about you got to get over to the get into that kitchen and clean your cupboards out or whatever it may be as a distraction that you're just going to receive that whatever that is and, and it takes quite a while we've spent lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of ignoring this and fighting with each other getting married having kids dying getting married having kids dying uh Going into a monastery and and uh, living for uh, seventy eight years and dying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter even if you're in a monastery. If you're not training your mind, if you're just just a token thing that you're doing, it's not going to work. And from the point of view of transcending this world and seeing the truth, 
you're going to have to train your mind. You can train your mind, not even become a Buddhist. It's just that you might need some kind of a support because it, because the mind training can go off the rails, so to speak, so easily and get sucked down into uh, spiritual materialism where it just feels better to have this happening. So why would you do something that feels worse when this feels better? That's silly, isn't it? No. No, it's uh, it's being governed by entertainment and pleasure. Train your mind. Buddha, the Buddha didn't say, life is suffering. He didn't so, say that so he could say, well, yeah, I know he said that, but now we're going to go on to the happy part. No, life is suffering. It's difficult. It's not nihilism as opposed to eternalism. It's not nihilism. It's just the truth. It's, we have nerve endings, all kinds of them. And most of the time, they're not too happy. Mine sure, certainly aren't. But it's not wrong. It's just just being, there's so many realms besides the human realm. We just happen to be here. There's more ahead, even though there isn't any ahead. Yes, sir. Shiva Bowing, I think it was with um, Jiuzan's question, you said to acknowledge that we're helpless, or acknowledge the helplessness. A little bit. Is that more than just a conceptual acknowledgement? Um, I think it shows up differently with different people, but it's, it's, it's not where we're being uh, all beat down. We're never going to be mount anything or some kind of negativity like that. It's just seeing that we might need to actually get some help with this. That kind of, you know, we might need to talk to someone who's uh, been going up and down that mountain over and over again. And we're, we're stuck on one part of the mountain. Talk to somebody who's familiar with that particular situation called the Three Poisons, called the Five Skandhas, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links. Talk to somebody who's looked at that whole, not just those structures, but looked deeply into the mind and has understood something about the nature of identity. Basically, it's mistaken identity that is the issue. That we, we think that our feelings and our emotions are ours, that there's somebody having those. It's worse than that, and it's better than that, because it's liberation. And what is the liberation from? Find out. So helplessness isn't um, to not ask for help. What? Shadow bowing. When we see that we're helpless, that is that a time when we should be asking for help? I don't know, maybe I shouldn't use that. Let's bring up that kind of a question. <laughs> what do you think? What do you want to know? Let's do it that way. I might, might get closer to this rather than discount the whole thing. It's it just for me bringing up an area where I just tend to accept or agree with what's happening 
and I'm, I'm wondering what what it is to acknowledge that helplessness that isn't just artificially agreeing with everything that shows up. What do you want to know? Did the assignment just change signs? Something with nothing there. Hold on, ask me a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so, um, something on what Shoto asked earlier about, I don't know what it, how it came up here is like an energy in meditation or engaged awareness. Yes. And I listened to a Dzogchen teaching. There's this teacher, um, a Theravada nun called Sayujata. And on YouTube, she just has teachings that she reads, a lot of Zogchen, Longchenpa, but all different religious traditions. Mm -hmm. And I was listening, I think his name is Mipam Rinpoche. I don't know why, but um, they're talking about Zogchen and how the teachings, um, you know, they don't describe awakening as anything different than your life, but he said that there, there if, you think that you have to clear your mind, or if you think that you're just receiving everything, not doing anything with it, then there's a dullness there, like people mm -hmm. misunderstand their awakening. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, is there a way to recognize that dullness or energy and um, receive that natural energy that helps you see beyond thinking you see? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is a, the, to, to go on beyond that slightly, uh, you might say, is to, all you have to do is recognize the dullness. You don't have to stop being dull. Or you just recognize the dullness or recognize the, those situations. And you don't have to clear your mind. There is no mind. Nothing, but if you if you try to work with it, you try to be somebody else or do something, then all that starts to take on a, all the thought forms and patterns and so on to start to take on some kind of solidity to, that makes them problematic. That's why it's so that's why it's so difficult to do because we are completely swamped by thoughts and emotions and feelings and con conclusions and ideas and and judgments. It's just a, Whole whole train of of a, a whole line of things that seem like seem real, and dullness is one of them. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to clear your mind. That that's Zogchen. and it's also Zen, and it's also uh, Rigpa, and it's also uh, Mahamudra. Isan. Isan bowing. If there was a precept that said no being fearful, which seems to have a different sensibility than anger, how would you teach about that? So if I if I talk about fear, the way I talk about it is uh, is the fear is going to come and go. It's it's definitely risen like everything else. Uh, but the identity part of it, of someone who's afraid. Uh, when, it, when, it, when the teachings say, talk about fearlessness, 
They're not saying fear is gone. We're just saying that there that you can feel fear you can feel fear and yet it can't find someone who's who's frightened. It's it's a quite an amazing uh feeling to have any kind of emotion come in and not find a, uh, a, an emotionator. No person having the emotion. It's just it's just uh um in in some way the 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 the, the phrase uh, uh, self-existing would apply there it doesn't have any connection with anything uh, in in a relative sense it's just that it's just that just fear it's not fear about that fear about this fear about that so it kind of deconstructs itself just by being in your awareness just by being in your consciousness I'm, I'm curious about intention with the vows. Sometimes I feel like I just read it and there's no intention. And other times I feel like maybe there is an intention not to be angry. Is that important? How we intend? I think it's going to be probably be different with each person. So I don't see any, any problem with that. The important thing is to intend to re read the vows, look at the vows, and intend to um, observe that vow, however that shows up in your mind, your understanding, and sometimes not much will be happening there. Go ahead. When you're bowing, is anger at the root of jealousy? Bowing. Jealousy is is the assumption that's, that you're losing something or something that you should have should be yours ego uh, someone else has or someone else is getting so there's a jealousy over that because they're getting what right is rightfully yours kind of thing so then anger comes up around that and that's the simple story about it you already know that is there something else I'm missing that you're addressing when you bow I think it has to do maybe similar to what Isan said. There's no precept that says no being fearful, just like there's no precept that says no being jealous. And yet it seems to be uh, absorbed into uh, the anger. But when I feel jealous, it feels like there's something even deeper, uh, some kind of an abandonment or something. Is that, is there anger tied into that? I think it, it may have to do with the uh, complete labyrinth of causes and conditions that are untraceable, unfindable, unsearchable, and are are sourceless from the point of view of relative truth. Um, are sourceless, not that there isn't some kind of a source, so that all of the things that are behind that we cannot, uh, as a Trunk uh, but Jay once said, everything you need to work with is avail available right now. It's right here. You don't really need to go back and trace down like psychologists do or uh, various kinds of psychoanalysis and so on. Not that they're wrong. They're working with relative truth, not a spiritual path. So they're relatively correct. But in our situation, we just need to look at just the leading edge of anything that shows up. That's it. Because everything has its everything has its own depth, and what is that depth? Not separate. I don't care if it's a million miles away; it's the same thing. Even even uh, 
uh, and I'm not knowledgeable about quantum mechanics, but there's something called uh, uh, superposition. Is that so it means that uh, my understanding is that something here and something there are, with, even though they're a million miles apart, are not separate from each other. So, so nothing's really separate from anything else. It's just separated in terms of this. That, that way we get to have a world. We get to have a tree, a bunch of trees if we want them. We get to have them. So the idea of, uh, say, jealousy or and the anger too, but the idea of jealousy having something that is much deeper than that, that area, that could go on forever. There's probably all kinds of causes that are relative causes that, that underlay the initial feeling of I'm not getting what I want or I'm losing what should be mine, what belongs to me. So the, the illusion that there's something, and that's what, that's what um, magnetizes us into trying to look deeper. And that's what gives us kind of a, uh, a semi-credential. We say it's semi because we haven't really found it, but we know it's there. We haven't really found what it is. We can't hold it up and say, this is what the cause is, because it's just a feeling of otherness happening. Nguyen, how does um, pride enter into uh, that anger or jealousy? I think you probably already know, but that's uh, that's uh, the, the um, illusion that there is a separate separate being called me and because I'm losing this and not getting that and I, I had this coming but now it's being taken away from me because of uh, circumstances causes and conditions are taking it another way and I I take that personally so pride I'm this shouldn't be happening because I'm I don't know, I'm uh, offended or I'm I'm, um, what well, my pride is hurt because I'm, I've lost, I'm losing, I'm not number one kind of thing, ego. That's why probably the only way you could really work with that effectively, and I'm not saying you couldn't go to a psychoanalyst or you couldn't go to Byron Katie, or you couldn't go to any number of other directions to take it and have maybe have some kind of relative success with it. But my understanding is a fundamental issue or problem is mistaken identity. You think you're somebody. I think I'm somebody. We all think we're a solid, separate being. You're not separate from anything. Go look at your ears. Sometimes just when you're standing and uh, brushing your teeth or something, look up, look up and just look at, look, where did these come from? What are these? Who invented this kind of a shape? Why all the little curly cues in the ear? Come on, couldn't it have just been a a hole? You know, maybe with a little roof on it or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I don't want to reinvent the human form, but it seemed like it'd be all right with me. There, I'll draw a picture of that at some point. Yes. Question from Jethro in the UK. Yes. I've recently felt drawn back to Shikintaza. 
A therapist has suggested I would benefit from doing a body scan meditation to get in touch with feelings. Can I practice both? Uh, yeah, I think you can. I pro probably wouldn't practice them together. Do one first, then do the other. Shikata, my understanding of it. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not the only person teaching meditation that is called shikantaza, but my understanding of it is just hold still and watch the movement. Don't do any body scans. I mean, if it comes up spontaneously, if you start scanning your body, then then it's appropriate. But that's situational, and that's that's that very situation. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything extra. Keep it very simple, very radical, very minimal, and just. It's difficult enough to just receive whatever arises in the mind stream, let alone trying to actively, when you start pursuing some kind of a particular modality, like a body scan or or, or any of the things in the Theravadan tradition of uh, Satipatthana, there's, there's goal orientation there. They're looking for results of cer certain kind, and you'll get some, but the results are circular. So I'm saying, let's stay with the intention to see what this is and use Shikantaza to help you look into emptiness, nothing, space. When jealousy or pride arises, is the anger deeper? Um, I'm not sure I'm following deeper than what. No. I'm just wondering if I'm locking down on uh, pride or jealousy, it seems kind of surface or tight. No. And I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see the anger. Mm -hmm. So where, where's the anger? Could be covered up. And, and it, you're asking if it could be deeper? Probably. But we, we can tend to get kind of psychological there. I don't know how valuable that would be to go into it from that angle. Yoko Baling, would it be helpful to look to see if I'm pushing on? See if you're pushing? Yes. Well, let me just help you a little bit. Are you pushing? Sometimes, yes. Well, there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> Question answered. What was that? Mind, so that, then, since it's one of the three poisons, any of those that shows up, is there anything to do with those? No, just observe. Whatever shows up, if, if all that is showing up is anger or just one of those simple uh, labels we put on emotions that takes different shapes, then that's good. Just receive that. Can take one more question and then we'll... We'll... Uh, what is it? Wulong bowing. Wulong. Um, 
You mentioned Byron Katie, and one of her questions in the work is, what would I be without that thought? Yeah. So similarly with envy, if envy is, if there's no envier, like what is envy without the envier and without compare and contrast? It seems like envy for me is experienced always in comparison or contrast. So what might envy be without compare, contrast, or the envier? Bowie. Oh. Yeah, so what Byron is attempting to do with that, and it's pretty hard to do that without some kind of meditation practice. Even Byron Katie, who did not realize her true nature, assuming she did, uh, through meditation, she it happened spontaneously. She's what I call a spontaneous realizer. She just, one day she just awoke, and she spent 15 years thinking about it before she started teaching. So she didn't have a meditation practice. But now uh, my understanding is that she actually... Uh, encourages people to meditate because she can see that just doing the work alone probably isn't, you're not going to be able to do this through just through the intellect, through thinking. Uh, some people's thinking area is like, what you know, it's like marching into a ball of steel wool. I mean, it's just too much stuff going on in there. So I would say to come back to your question, I would say that it's that envy without that is envy is gone from the person personal point of view it might still be there but it's it's been depersonalized so what would what would you be uh, uh when I, when i look at what she's saying there my understanding of it i don't know what people's uh, uh conclusion is about that but uh from the point of view of their uh, study of it but i would say you'd be nobody uh, no particular being at all which is not a conclusion. There's no you can't you can't be nobody because that's more concepts. So I would just say there less uh, uh, maybe less or no focus at all focus at all on the person who is envious. So the envy could still be there. So I think it's her way of working with that through uh, ask for questions, turn it around, which is her basic teaching or basic uh, uh, protocol for doing the work. Well, I'm bowing. Thank you. That's helpful. Um, in working backwards with, let's just use envy because we're on the topic. Um, if you look at the characteristics, is it helpful to look at the characteristics of envy or anger? And as you remove them, coming to it doesn't exist without these qualities and these characteristics. Is that I would, helpful? I would not recommend that. No, because you, you're, as soon as you do that, you, you've gotten right back out of the space that has been coming up through sitting meditation. Uh, on, you've got back on the, you've, you've, you've come, you've, um, you've, you've jumped in the ocean of consciousness. And now you're back on board the, the ship of the self or the ego or the, the beingness or the, the one who has opinions and ideas and judgments and wants to get somewhere. You're back in that same uh, um, ship, that same relative truth situation, trying to sort things out. So I would stay out of there. And I would just enjoy yourself, swim around in the mind. Well, I'm bowing, thank you. Or make poems on envy. Yes. <laughs> yes, you could make, but you have to always pronounce the word poem, poem. Poem. Been writing some poems. 
Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Bowing. Yes. Isn't the, this might be a leading question, but thinking about the Buddha families, isn't that a way of articulating what the emotion would be without a, any motor bowing? Yes, it would be. Emotion is, emotion wants to be liberated from your stupid personality. You know, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to somehow help the, the emotion of jealousy? No, let, let, it, let jealousy do whatever it needs to do. Kevin Bowing, so is, are the Buddha family saying then, in the case of jealousy, that jealousy without a jealouser is all accomplishing wisdom? You got it. You got it, my friend. You got it. That's it. All accomplishing. Yes. There's a question from Adriana. Go ahead, Adriana. Over the years, many therapists have encouraged me to get in touch with my anger over my mother's suicide. Most recently, a therapist has said that the anger is the way to healing. Should I endeavor to find more anger in myself or get in touch with some hidden anger? I don't feel much anger, rather more sadness and compassion for her. Mm -hmm. I, I think you're fine. I wouldn't try to do anything else. And you know, the therapists are, are, have a, a similar intention as a meditation teacher, but a completely different way of approaching it. Not wrong. I like to emphasize that, that most of the world can't, can't relate to this kind of a practice, a spiritual path. It is really difficult to practice uh, this path. It's difficult. Most people are not, say that it's not that they're not uh, able to, they're, uh, they're, they're able to, but they might be better off to do practice. Uh, uh, what the therapist teaches or get in touch with your anger and those kind of things. But since you're asking me and, uh, and several people that are students of mine also have therapists, I don't mind that several people are, are therapists. So, which is even worse. <laughs> I mean, better, better. I got, I got a little dyslexic there and then I looked over it and don't realize I better watch what I say. So, no, I really mean it all kidding aside. Some people really need to work with therapists, and there are some great therapists. That's really important. And then, but but in your situation, I would say, as I understand it, the the my recommendation. This is not just uh, um, oh, maybe it is. I just about lied, Jindo. <laughs> uh, sit more. That's what I want to say to you. Knowing you a little bit, not don't know you really well, but I'd say just spend more time, sit down, hold still, face the wall, and just watch stuff come and go. Watch, you know, tin cans and birds in the trees, and then there's elephants, you know, running across the rooftops, and you can see what my meditation is like. But I mean, just let allow things to come and go. Enjoy, and not not when I say enjoy, I'm I'm not saying like a great feeling of happiness or something, but just be interested in the in the forms that come and go in the mind stream. They're amazing. They belong to no one. It's a, the forms that arise, the, whatever jealousy or anything that arises, they're just forms. They're forms. They have no personhood. There's no personhood there. There's no one home 
at all. And they can show up in terms as, as Kevin was talking about the Buddha families, in terms of karma, Buddha, um, uh, Padma, and so on. They can turn up, show up different kinds of energies in different kinds of ways. That's all that that's about is to to help you maybe focus in on it a little bit. But you, what I would say is just 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 practice and listen to your therapist. If your therapist is helpful to you, then you can listen to him or her too. By all means. But sit a lot. And I'm biased. I'm very biased. Actually, the bias is here, but there's no biaser. I was making a claim about no claim. <laughs> yeah, I was claiming something. You got me. <laughs> I'm caught. Caught in my own trap. Yeah, I don't see any more questions, so we can close. Thank you so much. For, and, and thank you again for uh, generosity. People have given so much to help us with this fundraiser. It's just been really amazing and we're we're up we're over our goal i think by a thousand or two thousand or something like that so people have given uh, to help us and so that means that we're going to be able to fix the the boiler down at garuda house <laughs> more than likely hi this is chiazan the prior at sokokoji buddhist monastery Sokazan offers these talks without expecting anything in return. If you value these talks and would like them to continue, please visit our donate page at www.sokukoji.org. Thank you.